You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. The story follows the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. The Fox-Haired Girl A tall elfin woman, sharp of eye and features, strode silently along the high catwalk that ran between the trunks of a grove of tall pines. The night air was cool, and she carried with her a torch that she used to light the heavy iron lanterns which hung from the reaching limbs of those trees. Dusa was the first on watch duty that evening, though she found herself distracted as she went about her preparations. High above the forest floor, the walkway formed a connected ring that allowed her a vantage of the surrounding lands. The grove of ancient pines were perched atop the highest point in the area, a grand barrow which formed the den and stronghold of one of the oldest fox families in the green country, the house of Magarthanian. Dusa touched her torch to another lantern, and it blossomed to light, the rendered boar tallow burning brightly, giving off a musky scent. The light illuminated her briefly before she turned to continue on catching for a moment on her high cheekbones, her hard, wild eyes, and the mane of fox-red hair that hung down to her waist. Her serious bearing nearly concealed her youthfulness. At first glance, most would miss the fact that she had barely grown past her adolescence. The sun had just set, and Dusa enjoyed the dark and silence, finding space for reflection. From far below, she heard the foxes yipping calls and laughter echoing up through the branches and foliage to reach her keen ears. The evening's feasting had begun, and from the sound of it was off to a raucous start. Though their joy was tangible to her, a long shadow lay in her path, one that had been there since the beginning of her time with the foxes of Magarthanian. Old feelings had been stirred up in Dusa, feelings which had long lain silent. Though once bright, sharp, and painful, they had drifted slowly to the bottom of the lake of her soul, settling below the silt of years. 
none other than the queen of the green country, Elissa Lannan herself, had been the cause of perturbation to those tranquil waters. Dusa's thoughts once more spiraled back to the queen's recent visit to the earthen halls of the Grand Den that she now helped protect. The queen and her entourage had arrived a week earlier. Their purpose was to meet with the den's current sire and lord, Max Hedgewald Magerthanian. In typical fox fashion, every detail had been attended to in expectation of the queen's arrival. This was not undertaken in the spirit of supplication to authority. No. A fox presented their domain in the most impeccable light as a matter of pride and equality. While Max had not yet made Elissa's acquaintance, his father, Arsax, had spoken very highly of the Thousand-Year Queen, their own friendship having grown over the course of his long life. Long was, of course, a relative matter. Arsax the fox had reached the ripe old age of 83 years, though for Elissa, an elfin, this was like the passing of a season in her already long life. Max welcomed her into the den with a generosity built on the trust of his father's words, and they had become fast friends. In Max, she saw much of his father, and all of the foxes of the den of Magerthanian took pride and pleasure to hear her speak highly of the departed patriarch. In the dancing firelight and closeness of that earthen den, Dusa had watched the queen and her company with a hungry curiosity. It was rare she ever had the chance to see other elfin folk, and as eager as she was to see them, to observe their ways, she held herself back. A warrior was stern, hardened, taciturn. Deep down, she knew the stoicism she wore was but a mask, concealing an awkwardness and shame she dreaded to face. Queen Elissa had cast a thoughtful glance at Dusa that evening. She had been genuinely surprised to see a young elfin woman standing amongst the ranks of the fox as naturally as if she were one of them. Dusa stood almost a head higher than the tallest fox, and her pale skin shone ghostly amid the orangey-red hues of fox fur. Amid the myriad differences which contrasted Dusa with the foxes around her, it was her hair which bonded her to her unlikely kin. It had been dyed a bright, fiery orange, with the ends colored bright white. Though Elissa had only allowed her gaze to settle on Dusa for a moment's time, she was keenly aware of the queen's glance. She felt her face burning with a fierce embarrassment. Though she had proven herself time and time again, hunting and fighting alongside the foxes of Magerthanian's den, 
all the respect she had garnered paled somehow in the presence of this elfin queen. After all, the foxes were not truly her people. She would always be a stranger, at least to some degree. These were the thoughts that wound through her head as she lit the lanterns that evening. Like hunting snakes, they constricted her certainty and preyed upon all those insecurities which had lain comfortably dormant for so long. Nearly consumed by these phantoms, Dusa found herself startled back to the present as she heard the steady sound of someone climbing the long ladder which led to the earth below. Soon she saw the familiar form of Grasa climbing over the edge of the high platform she stood sentry on. He smiled gently in the lantern light as he caught sight of her, and though his fur was now dusted with the silver of years gone by, she couldn't help but recall the first time she had seen him. It had been a bright summer day when she was a youngling. She sat atop a wagon loaded high with goods, driven by her father and mother. They were making the long trek between the remote town of Crossbow, where they made their home, and the bustling hub of Marksmith, to ply their wares at the fortnightly market there. This was a journey they had made countless times before, and one that Dusa enjoyed. Atop the bumping wagon, she dreamed of the interesting folk she might see at market, and the prospect of a new toy, which her father had promised he would buy for her. A drifting shadow above interrupted Dusa's fantasizing, and as the wagon came to a stop, her daydream burned the moment she regarded the fearful expressions of her parents. Following their gaze, she looked upward to regard a threatening silhouette, a strange craft of unlikely angles and Baroque ornamentation. It could only be the airborne craft of face-sylph pirates, those dread marauders of that expansive sea of forest, the Great Weald. Deuce's father cried for her and her mother to find cover beneath the wagon, but their attack came too quickly. A bombardment of small projectiles fell, each emitting a dense blue-white smoke. A haze consumed the stopped vehicle, and in the confusion and smoke, ropes dropped down from the craft overhead. Dusa heard her father and mother's voices calling out to her, and the sizzle of the face-ilfs smoking projectiles. If only the pirates had known the cargo Dusa's family carried. One of the smoke bombs landed with a hollow thump atop one of the many wooden casks which filled the wagon to its brim. The top of the little barrel was stained with a rich finish, that which only refined oil could produce in wood. Immediately, a flame sparked on the cask, 
and within moments the entire wagon was alight. Dusa Nasseldamp, daughter of the purveyors of the finest lamp oil in all of the green country. The little girl had abandoned the wagon and wandered helplessly through the smoke, tears running down her cheeks. Though she could hear the voices of her father and mother calling to her, any hope of direction was lost in the tramping of feet, the shouts of the face of pirates who had descended on ropes around the flaming wagon. Things were not going according to plan. Suddenly, an explosion rocked the land, commanding an obedience which knocked Dusa to the ground. Quakily, she arose, her knees and elbows scraped raw from the fall. She no longer cried. The shock had driven the fear from her. Amid the flames and smoke, there entered a new presence. Foxes with shining fur of red-orange, clad in fine armor, swarmed in, driving towards those pirates who remained standing and intact after the savage blast. But one fox had stopped, seeing Dusa, bewildered and helpless, and taken the girl up into his lithe, strong arms. It was Grasa, who had delivered her from the wreckage of that fateful afternoon. It was Grasa who had told her of her parents' passing. The foxes had scaled the very ropes of the face of pirates who brought havoc to that day and put a swift end to their exploits, a swift and permanent end. But Dusa was too young to hunger for revenge or appreciate it. She knew only loss. The foxes had carried the shaken girl back to Crossbow after getting that small scrap of a location from Dusa. Even when she was once more amongst folks she knew, she refused to let go of Grasa, clinging with a desperate grip to the fox who had rescued her. Over the years, the foxes returned with Dusa to the town of Crossbow, seeing if she was at last ready to return home. The answer was always no. As time passed, the faces she once knew grew further and further away from her memory, and she clung to the growing solace she found with Grasa and his people. And so she had remained. She put out a hand to help Grasa to his feet. He retrieved a basket, slung across his back, and presented it to Dusa. Brought you something to eat, he said kindly. He looked at Dusa, now a woman, standing tall above him, the same girl who had once been his unlikely adoptee, and saw the play of emotion across her face, the conflict, the sadness, and all those things which he could not heal. Yet he smiled at her all the same, and took a seat, his back to the trunk of the tree which held the suspended catwalk. Come sit and eat with me, he said. She nodded wordlessly, lest she speak and open the floodgate to her tears. 
she sat down next to the fox who had become a father to her. And from his basket, he drew out a bottle of fine Crandoon blood wine, a vintage she knew to be reserved for only special occasions. He uncorked the vessel and poured the thick red liquid into two simple clay cups, and then offered one to Dusa. He looked up at her in the dancing light of the lantern flame, regarding her fox-red hair, and seeing the potent, powerful being she had become. You know, I'm very proud of you, said Grasa softly, and he took a sip of his blood wine. Dusa was speechless, and Grasa drew from the basket two cloth-wrapped bundles and handed one to her. It was warm to the touch, and together they unfurled the fabric to reveal freshly roasted shanks of venison. They set to feasting in silence, and Dusa realized how hungry she had been, and found distraction from her brooding thoughts. After they had finished their meal, Grasa took a long sip of wine, studying she, who was like a daughter to him. At last he spoke, his voice soft and gentle. The queen. She asked about you when she was a guest in our den. Dusa felt her face flush hot upon hearing this. She stood at the edge of a mental precipice and found herself bracing for Grasa's next words, which she was certain would only alienate her further and establish her as a true outcast to both the elfin and the fox peoples. Grasa could sense her fear, and he looked into her eyes, his simple glance offering unexpected reassurance. Lord Max told her, of your coming to our den, and spoke very highly of you. He told the queen of your prowess in battle, and of your success in the hunt. He told her you had become one of us, one of our kin, and that this was your home. And like that, the fretful lamentations of the fox-haired girl were swept away in a matter of moments. She shook her head, trying to summon a response to the solace Grasa had provided her, but he continued, Dusa, it is very likely you will live far beyond the years of Max, myself, and the rest of our pack. You will bear witness to many generations of the den of Magathanian. For this reason, Queen Elissa asked if she might seek your counsel from time to time in matters of our house. It would give me great comfort knowing it was you who represented us. I can think of no hands I could trust more. And with this, Grasa placed a hand on her shoulder, though she sat a good deal higher than him. I would be honored, Grasa, replied Dusa, her warrior's composure 
fighting for steadiness against the quaking she felt in her body. I promise to present the den of Magathanian in only the highest esteem and honor our house in my every word and deed. Grasa nodded gently. I know you will. The end. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!